Star Wars 7x7 episode 1238 today. Our second story in the Legends of Luke Skywalker. This is called The Starship Graveyard. Punch a chewy. This is Bobby Roberts, formerly of Full of Sith. And you are listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And this second story, The Starship Graveyard, well, first of all, let me say at the outset thank you again to Disney Lucasfilm Press for sending me a copy of The Legends of Luke Skywalker by Ken Liu, which is part of the Journey to the Last Jedi run-up and publishing initiative. And this is a full spoiler podcast, okay? So... (laughs) If you haven't read the book yet and you don't want it spoiled for you, then by all means, save this for a later date. If you are interested in hearing about this legend of Luke Skywalker, well, then let's just get into it. So I'm going to spoil the lead for you here and say that Luke Skywalker only appears in this story as a frozen hologram image uh, reminding the Imperials of what he looks like. is basically like a glorified wanted poster, but the imagery that comes from an Imperial deck officer who is utterly and completely out of his mind because of pain and injury and fear that he's actually dreaming about Luke as a giant celestial being able to throw Star Destroyers around with his hands, which sounds really wicked cool. He's almost imbuing him with Zeus-like qualities. It was really rather remarkable to read. In fact, I'll give you a piece here. This is the Imperial officer telling the story as recounted by Ulina, who is the third mate on the Wayward Current. So the Imperial officer was absolutely delirious from a horrible crash landing in an escape pod. Uh, I was back in space, a disembodied consciousness observing the battle from somewhere in high orbit, the all-powerful Imperial fleet drifting beneath me, an army of giants being nipped at by underpowered rebel star cruisers and their swarming fighters. And the hologram Jedi was there, too. No, not a hologram. He was a real, glowing figure of sorcery and magic. He floated in space, his feet astride the stars, his cape billowing with an arcane power that could not be understood by mere mortals. He leapt from rebel star cruiser to rebel star cruiser, his flaming sword at the ready. A star destroyer focused all its cannons on him, and carelessly he deflected the shots with graceful swings. He launched himself from a cruiser, tucked his legs under him, and tumbled through space, shooting bolts of energy from his sword in every direction. Star Destroyer after Star Destroyer disintegrated under this unnatural assault. It was impossible. It was unbelievable. Yet it was true. The Jedi was dispatching capital ships with his sword of magic alone. Tired of his game, the Jedi suddenly put away his shining sword. He swung his arms and reached for the Imperial fleet with his bare hands, and thin strands of crackling energy emerged from his palms like a fishing net cast into the ocean that was the galaxy. The glowing strands reached the ships and ensnared them, and the Jedi laughed like a child playing by the sea. Hauling the ships in like so many flopping fish, he cast them down toward Jakku. He was a god playing with toys, escape, except that the toys were city-sized structures of steel and had held tens of thousands of lives. And so, ultimately, when this Imperial officer wakes out of his delirium, he realizes that he is alive with broken legs and broken God knows what else on Jakku infection setting, and he is being dragged around by a person in a cloak who 
happens to look very much like the cloak that Luke Skywalker wears. And all the guy will say is that he's keeping him, this Imperial officer, because of, you know, what any one person wants of another person in the desert. But that's really enigmatic. You know, does he want to eat him? Does he want to kill him? Does he want to barter him for something? Like, we don't know. Ultimately, what happens is they go on a long and arduous journey toward the observatory, which if you read Aftermath Empire's End by Chuck Wendig, and if you didn't, maybe you listened to me talk about it on this podcast. And if you didn't hear that either, let me just briefly give you the details. The observatory was one of a number of facilities scattered about the galaxy that Emperor Palpatine was doing. Heaven knows what at. And this particular one seemed to be a base of observation for the unknown regions and for exploring into that space and finding a way to navigate safely into it because it's something where they sent probe ships and other unmanned craft and even manned craft and they never came back. And so... You know, long story short, Admiral Thrawn is supposed to help with the navigation around there, too. And a bunch of the Emperor's best people ended up hiding out in the Unknown Regions, which then became the genesis of the First Order after the Empire was wiped out, etc., etc., etc. Anyway, so this observatory facility on Jakku, this is where they're heading. The guy who is towing this Imperial officer says he's going to just bring him to the observatory where the stormtroopers and Imperial guards that are there can take him in and take him into medical treatment and do whatever they need to do with him. Unfortunately, of course, because the Battle of Jakku is either A, raging, or B, done raging, the observatory has already at this point been abandoned by Ray Sloan and General Brendel Hux and the rest of the escapees from Jakku. And pretty much everything of value in the place has been looted, okay? So this doesn't work out very well, obviously, for our Imperial officer who is, if not a hero of the story, then certainly the storyteller of the story, even though Lena is recounting this tale. Lena claims in the interludes that she's trying to tell the story the same way that the Imperial officer told it to her. Be that as it may, things go from bad to worse when not only do they find nothing of value inside the observatory, but a nearby Imperial ship goes nuclear for all intents and purposes, and the reactor just melts down, and it creates a giant lake of burning molten sand, glass, whatever, that fills in the sort of depression that the observatory sits in. So everybody inside the observatory's walls are basically out of luck because this giant magma quagmire is surrounding the observatory. It's going to break through the walls. It's not going to cool off fast enough to become solid glass that you could just deal with, right? And that becomes a problem. But this hooded figure that dragged our Imperial officer through the desert had these uh, fan blades, basically, and was using them as ski paddles to ski down large dunes. Well, turned out that those things would actually serve as almost paddleboard-like things or snowshoe-like things that could be strapped to his feet that would allow him to walk safely across the lake of fire. And so they were able to figure out how to get across the lake of fire with all these other makeshift pieces of junk that were in the observatory or that they had been carrying with them. And it was all due to the inspiration of this hooded figure that so many lives were saved out of the observatory instead of all of these smugglers and other people being left to die in a, you know, horrible sea of fire. 
Now, so far, we don't have anything really Luke Skywalker specific to the story in terms of him appearing, except for a couple other things that come up, which I'm going to tell you about after the break. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Nissan and their Master the Drive sweepstakes going on now through November 27th. You can enter for the chance to win your own personalized ride inspired by Star Wars The Last Jedi. Plus, you and three friends could get tickets to the opening night screening of The Last Jedi at the world-famous El Capitan Theater in Los Angeles and, and a limited edition Executioner Trooper collectible helmet. All you have to do to enter is go to NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars to customize a Star Wars-inspired Nissan vehicle. Again, that's NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars to enter. And last but not least, here are the legal details. Deep breath. Here we go. No purchase necessary. Contest ends November 27, 2017. You must be 18 years or older to enter. It's for residents of the 50 U.S. states and Washington, D.C. only. Entries, rules, and odds are at NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars, and it's void where prohibited. Welcome back. All right, so after this mysterious stranger has led all of these people to safety, all these scavengers, they decide that they want to do something very nice for this mysterious stranger. And so they each offer him whatever is basically the most prized piece of salvage that they were able to take from the observatory or maybe that they even had just that they were carrying with them as a tribute for helping them get out alive. And one of the things that is offered to the mysterious stranger is a robotic hand, one that is a lot more intricate than you know any you might have seen before. And certainly we've had close-ups on Luke's robotic hand in The Last Jedi, and it certainly looks like it is much more intricate than what little we saw of the one that he had in the original trilogy. And you would have to imagine that even galactic medicine would come a long way in 30 years, and so there would have to be a more sophisticated robotic hand out there to begin with. But that's really it. And as far as quote-unquote official sources go, which in this case would be Aftermath Empire's End as the nearest thing to it covering this particular time period. There's been no indication from any source whatsoever that Luke Skywalker was at the Battle of Jakku, and that's also some of what the deckhands argue about in the interludes in between stories. Like, no, he was never on Jakku. He was never part of that battle. All we know for sure is that he you know, had some sort of mission that he went on within the first six months of the Rebels' huge win at Endor. And after that, we have no idea of a timetable for him whatsoever. So it's possible that this is him. And yet again, yeah, maybe not. He also says he grew up in a desert very much like this one. But, uh, you know, I don't know that Tatooine actually resembles Jakku exactly in that way. We didn't have metallic-beaked birds knocking around on Tatooine. And... Giant Lugabees, I guess Lugabees are kind of anal- anal- analogous. I was going to say am- <laughs> amalgamous, analogous to Banthas and Tito's. I don't think they're really analogous to Tusken Raiders, but yeah, I guess you could consider the possibility if you wanted to stretch it. But really, I think we learn more about what happens with the observatory in the aftermath of Aftermath Empire's End than anything else, particularly about Luke Skywalker and his backstory. So that is all I've got to say about the Starship Graveyard, which is the second of the six legends of Luke Skywalker. And we are going to talk about one of the ones that seems as dead on as you can possibly get 
in tomorrow's episode. But in the meantime, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you're forced to use a blaster to defeat a cyborg, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not uncivilized, it's Destiny Unleashed. is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.